Welcome to Pop On Leadership, a conversation between two friends who are obsessed with leadership development and helping people navigate their careers within organizations and also obsessed with pop culture. I'm Virginia Martinez. And my name's Kara Kirby. Together, we have over 20 years of working inside of organizations. And now we both work outside with companies all over the world, helping them drive their people first practices. This first season of Pop On Leadership is dedicated to a show called Ted Lasso. We're going to walk through the first 10 episodes, unpacking all the leadership lessons along the way. So let's get into it. Okay, welcome everybody. We are going to talk about episode two and uh, some organizational development theories inside of this episode of Ted Lasso. So I thought for today, a good title of this episode could be Hopping Over Fences. So there is this scene where Ted is with Keely and their their relationship is starting and she's looking at Rebecca and she's like that woman is scary and she's tall and he goes yeah she's just we just got to hop over those fences and so I was like that is the theme of this episode Ted is entering this new situation he's entering a new team he has a new boss he has a new media he has all these new components of his life and he's so skillful in his practice and what he does is that he's looking at all of the fences around him and figuring out strategies of how to jump over them and I think that that's what we can learn today is when we are entering a new situation how do you scan for the fences and figure out how you hop over them so let me ask you this in either yeah. your experience both personal or professional what do some of these fences look like? Because some people would be like, well, what do you mean by fences? Like, how do I know I'm coming up on one? I think that, I think this episode shows a lot of the archetypes that are inside of our work fences. So for example, you have a boss that might be hurt or they're operating with this rough and tough leadership style. That could be one of how do you kind of wear that person down and have a human to human relationship with them. The other one is a team, right? So if you, especially if you're a leader and you're walking into a new team, those people are going to have fences up. They're going to have their guard up because they're probably used to other leaders coming to that situation and saying, I'm going to break down everything that you have and show you how to do it my way. They're used to that situation. So now they have their guard up. Susan Scott, the author of Fierce Conversations, has this quote at the beginning of her leadership book, and it says, by God, if you were a new leader entering an organization, the last thing in the world you should do is do a reorg, right? Like do not, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that's such good advice because that's what leaders do. They walk into an organization and they're like, all right, I'm going to show people how awesome I am. Let's reorg. And then people just lose their minds. And, so, and reorgs could be like minor. It could be like, we're not going to just change everyone's roles, but it is often like, let's change the way we set up our meetings or how we do this or what tools yeah. we use. But there is a definite um, like pressure to make contributions and show your value as a leader right away so folks usually you know keeping things the same doesn't feel as rewarding or as if you're doing mm-hmm. anything so there, yeah and that's the lies. that's the ego so yeah. I think, yeah like they want to show their contribution your ego wants to show your contribution immediately and and if you're not able to recognize that and take a step back and say i actually need to honor what was happening before i need to figure out what these people do well i need to listen it, like that's non, that's low ego behavior, but mm-hmm. that's how you're the most effective with a team. It just doesn't feel the same. Yeah. It doesn't right? feel like you're moving the needle as they say. Let me ask you that question. What are some fences that you notice? 
Um, I think, you know, Jamie Tart's a, an example of this and Rebecca too, and, and folks, I mean, everyone brings their own insecurities to work. I'll say this over and over again, probably in every <laughs> episode we do together, but no one shows up to work for the most part. No one shows up to work saying, <laughs> I'm going to be a jerk today, but they're working from a place of, I want people to think I'm smart. I want people to think I'm doing the right thing. I want people to like me. And that often is stems from like, your own thoughts of yourself right mm -hmm. and so i guess the other fences are um like if you take jamie tart for example there's always going to be someone who's like super high achiever motivated like super motivated by success to the point where it becomes competitive with others yep and you're like well like it or not we're on a team like we're all on the same team we're all facing the same direction like why are you competing with me like this is Right. And so that's a that's a common fence that you will run into. You will at some point in your career have a coworker or teammate <laughs> that's see, obnoxious. <laughs> and, but because they see you as competition. Absolutely. Right? The scarcity mindset of like, well, if in this case, if I'm not making the goals, who who is? And, and that's actually not necessarily even their fault. We are so conditioned to looking at organizations and looking at things that we do as being an individual competition, whereas inside of an organization, it never is. Like if organizations were smarter, they would set all of their incentives to be around team goals. Mm -hmm. It would be on how teams are working together because that's the real world. There's never one shining person and their greatness is like going to lead the company forward. That's never the case. It's always it's always a group of people like a, a person can win the race, but a group of people is going to win the championship or however right. that quote is. Right. <laughs> so. But, but, but people enter these situations. I had this guy one time, oh, bless his heart. <laughs> he went my first job out of college. I, he was so competitive and we like, we, we had a lot of misunderstandings, a lot of just like dumb kids being dumb kids at their first job in corporate America. But I had hurt his feelings. He's a really sensitive guy, but he tried to act tough. Like most people who try to act tough. And I walked, I walked into his room to confront the situation. I was like, Hey buddy, like, I'm so sorry that hurt your feelings. And, um, I want us to like, get to a good place. We work really closely together. And he looked at me and he was like, he was like, Kara, I don't care about making friends in this corporation. Like I'm here to get to the top and I don't care about who I, you know, step on to get there. And I was like, do you think you're like on an episode of survivor? Like <laughs> Yeah. And like, I mean, so much of that, either like you've been conditioned, you've been sort of maybe your parents or your first job instilled that in you or something. Yeah. Some, at some point, you wrapped up your own individual worth with like only being the best. And so, yeah, Oof. that's there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. No, because I, I actually think as much as I'm like, oh, my God, Jamie Tart is such a dick. But when I reflect on it, like. I know I've been Jamie oh, at times for sure. I have, and not because I don't, I mean, not to the extent, like I, I feel like I could see the abilities of others, but I was so conditioned to be like, I hope people see me. Mm -hmm. I guess I have to do more to make sure that people see me because if I work this many hours, like this must get me promoted. If I work hard, like, um, 
and it was very it was often interpreted as being extremely competitive with my my oh, coworkers and i i had to really make some some shifts right because i was wrapped up in my own insecurities and that's not how i wanted to be remembered <laughs> <laughs> when i left so um and sometimes i was more successful at it than others but um yeah you mentioned this like quotes or whatever sort of i love because this this episode has two really great quotes and one of them is when after the game and jamie scores two to three goals i forget but ted pulls him into his office because he's not incorporating with the rest of the team in the locker room and just kind of putting him down yeah. like we wouldn't have done anything if it weren't for me and so ted says to him like i think you might be so sure you're one in a million that you forget that you're just one out of 11 right and if you can just some way figure out how to turn that me into us mm -hmm. Then Ted whistles. I can't whistle, so I'll just tell you. <laughs> <laughs> the sky's the limit. And I, it was really beautiful too, because I, I thought he captured it really well. He complimented him on his on his achievements, which he needs, right? He needs mm -hmm. that level of recognition. But also saying like, if that's what motivates you, just imagine how much further you can go as a team. Um. And then we see throughout the season how like that uh plays out but um, <laughs> i think I, I think that's that in itself is good good feedback to share with folks to help them see how they can do more or go further or achieve more as a collective Absol yeah absolutely so it's like how do you help reframe those those people that have just huge egos on a team i mean I, I was working with a client this week and they asked the question, and it's a really awesome organization. This, this guy is just wants to do everything right. Like with building a great culture. And he asked me the question and we were having a team conversation of, do you hire for empathy and what do you mm -hmm. do whenever you find out someone doesn't have it? And, and so he had the initial response of like, I actually think that we need to figure out who those people are and, and, you know, promote them to the industry, like, you know, mm -hmm. make sure their toxicity isn't affecting the rest of the organization. And it's not, and I actually don't think it's that simple. Like I, and I, and I mean, I mentioned this to him, I go, you know, we have to have faith in people. They might have come from organizations mm -hmm. where like, that's how they had to survive. You see that with Higgins, right? We talked about that on the last episode, like Higgins knows in his heart, Heart, the way that Rebecca's treating everybody is not the right thing to do, but he's he's looking out for his family and his own survival. Therefore, he's compromising his integrity. So, so some, so I I think empathy is a skill that you just and it goes along with self awareness and just becoming about just refining your leadership practice. You're going to get more empathy because you're thinking about other people more. But I don't think it's like you're born with it or without it. And when we see people with huge egos, just with Jamie Tart, like the question is, how do we help them see the world a little bit differently and, and help them see that they're working from a place of just their own egos and that it's possible yeah. to think about things differently? Two things come up, something that you just said, and I was like, hang on every word. But often that ego also comes from like, what are we fearing? What mm -hmm. do we fear? And so it's almost like understanding like, well, what are they afraid of? And like, you know, and, and then we eventually learn that, you know, Jamie Tart is afraid of disappointing his dad or yeah. being, right? Because in this show, he's 23, right? And a superstar and been gift. But anyway, putting that aside, 
We'll come and back he probably to never had an awkward phase. Like I'm always very concerned <laughs> with <laughs> right. He with, like, like, people... with really good looking people who like were never like ugly whenever they were twelve. I'm like, there yeah, is he's some, been on a pedestal. Some crucial, crucial life things you have to learn from being like an awkward tween. <laughs> and he, yeah, he's been put on a pedestal by peers and, and <laughs> women and all this for, for a long time. But there's something that you said really that I want to ask you about. So you were talking to this client or friend about um, hiring for empathy. How, like, how do you think you can identify that in others? Like, what is, if that were like, okay, like criteria for building a team or hiring or part of like a performance review, like assessing someone's ability to empathize like how would you even go about assessing that i have a very canned response to this because Great. i have to answer this question a lot perfect um well first of all you could ask it in interviews right so like if you how did you overcome that problem if somebody is answering that question with a lot of just like me answers well i went over there and i did all this research and then i made the team do this mm -hmm. and i did this like it's it's all about the force that you as a person had on the environment that you you know that that person has a little bit of work to do inside of their practice mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. however if they answer the question of i brought the team together we put the issue on the table and everyone like talked about different ways that we could we could tackle it and we grew upon each other's ideas and then we came up with the best one and then we you know took the tasks and spread it across the team. And then we really came up with a solution together, right? Mm -hmm. So if, if inside of the way that they're answering questions, they talk about teamwork and they talk about putting people first and it's not all about them, you can usually, you know that that person has a more evolved practice. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I would one of my my two favorite books I always recommend to people is Leadership and Self Deception and the Outward Mindset, which is all about how do you train yourself to recognize when you have a lot of me thinking and switch that into how do I serve my boss? How do I serve the people on my team? How do I how do I think about the needs of others? And and know and trust that if I do that, I'm going to become more successful as well as well. Yeah. What do you think? How do you think you how do you think you find it? Well, actually, that's very similar. You know, at, at my last company before I started consulting was um, we, we would listen to language and make sure they were using we not me, because mm -hmm. that was always a tell. I think also when you talk to someone about the challenges they face, and this is very different than like, tell me about your weaknesses. <laughs> it's like, hey, tell me about a time where like you set out to do something and it didn't go as planned. And the yeah. way they talk about that, like, was it everyone else's fault? Mm, or do they one. say, actually, I, and this also shows a little like um, self-awareness as well. And I think also, you know, a level of resiliency, like you can pick yourself up and move forward again to some extent. But that if they can talk about that as like, you know what I didn't realize going into it was X, Y, Z. And I realize now I should have brought in so and so like those examples to me I'm like okay you have a level of self-awareness you have empathy for yourself too which is <laughs> but for others and you also kind of learn from your mistakes in a way that like you're not so because you can also tell if people are really hard on themselves they're going to be hard on other people I uh, yes apps absolutely if they're hard on themselves they're going to be hard on other people and uh, one 
I, I, I can be convinced otherwise, but there, I have learned through my experience, one of the things that's very hard for people to evolve out of is having a victim complex Oh gosh, where yes. they feel like everything is happening to them. Like they have mm -hmm. no locus of control. I have, um, that is one thing I do think there should be. Oh, I hate saying this. Oh God, everyone forgive me. But I do look for it when I interview people of like how much accountability they take mm -hmm, for themselves mm -hmm. because if that's not there like if you have that person on a team I it's it's a hard thing to get over and then they end up just like sucking the energy out of everyone else around them because woe is me like the world is crashing down on me it's a very very hard thing to deal with being a leader of a team yeah I'm forgetting the name of what's that triangle like the victim villain hero triangle like you're either on one side of that mm -hmm. at all times and you yourself can be all three in a story but there are we all have our natural tendencies to talk about ourselves or others in certain ways so someone might have the tendency to be the victim and that means they've got to blame the villain mm -hmm. and someone has the tendency to make themselves the hero in every story which means also they've got to blame <laughs> the villain, right and so there's a little bit of paying attention to the how people tell stories a little bit and how they place them themselves in that narrative is often telling. And I, and going back to this episode of Ted Lasso, I think that that's, a, that's really interesting of how Ted skillfully works through this situation is because he is so egoless. It's not about him. He's just being mindful of all the fences around them and trying to and trying to like level everybody up. So he's like, he doesn't take it personally that that Rebecca is kind of acting so callous towards him. He doesn't take it personally that this team is all calling him a wanker <laughs> and he's getting these pieces of paper where they're like insulting him and then signing Roy Kent at the bottom of it, right? Like he's not taking the press seriously. He's like, this is the environment around me and how they're conditioned to react to something new. And I'm just going to keep chiseling away at it. Right. I'm yeah. going to find the fences. I'm going to jump over them little by little each day. And, and I have faith that we're all going to rise together. Yeah. It's kind of, like, I mean, and again, we, this advice I'm going to say is so much easier said than done, but it's like, if you can, it's, it's one thing to attach yourself to the outcomes you want to see, but you're going to have to detach yourself at some point to the reactions people will have. Now that's super hard. <laughs> um, that's also, the ultimate goal. That's what you know you goal. figured it out life. <laughs> it is an ongoing goal, but um, kind of you can sort of remind yourself like, I have no idea how these people might react and their reaction may have nothing to do with me. It may. Yeah. And when it does, I will apologize or what have you or own it or take accountability. But I'm here to do a job and help us move forward. Yeah. It's, right. So that's the key word is to detach, right? <laughs> a funny, funny story for our listener <laughs> right now or hers if it gets there. So my dad is like a total like, um, you know, he hasn't cut his beard from the 70s just to give you a picture of him in your mind. And he's so zen and just like the most chill person you'll ever meet. But he always drops these like little knowledge bombs on me and then doesn't follow up. But one day he told me, he goes, yeah, Kara, you know, one day I just I figured out life. And I was like, okay. okay. Full stop? <laughs> Full stop. 
I'm listening. You got my attention. Like, what's the answer? <laughs> well, maybe his answer is not ours. You know, that's. But that's but... <laughs> Well, I mean, just knowing him, yeah. like, but like, but that's what my dad does. And I don't even know if he knows it's what he does, but he, he detaches. He doesn't judge people. He just, he like exists. And, and that's the same thing Ted Lasso, I'm not saying my dad is Ted Lasso by any means. That's a whole, that's a whole thing. But, but he just, <laughs> he doesn't have, he doesn't have, like, he doesn't have like expectations. He just kind of like watches things around him. And it's very interesting because most people aren't like that. Most people are so self-involved, you know? But, but Ted Lasso, he detaches. He's like, this is, these are humans doing their own human things, thinking about themselves and I'm going to help them wherever I can. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Um, all right. Well, this, this was a great episode. I mean, there's a lot in here as well, but I think the real takeaways from today are about how do you identify those fences, especially when you want, you want to remind people you're all on the same team and working towards the same goals. Mm -hmm. in, that in itself, reminding people of that is often helpful. And I think, you know, kind of detaching yourself to reactions, especially when you're new and kind of understanding that people have to develop their own opinion of you mm -hmm. by getting to know you. So in the beginning, it's going to be, there's going to be fences. Yeah, absolutely. And I think my last final note is that one of the things that Ted does that everybody should do when they enter new situations is get a comment box. Oh, there yes, the comment box. Nothing more powerful. This is on the positive and on the negative. Nothing more powerful you could do to add to a culture by asking people what they think who are closest to the problem and then showing them that you listened, right? Like there's nothing more po positive and powerful you can do. And then on the other end, there's nothing more negative that you can do by either not asking or asking and then not doing anything with the responses, yes. right? Yeah. Yeah. So get yourself a comment box and actually show people that you're listening listening to them and your in your culture will powerfully and positively explode i promise yeah and this could be done through like anonymous surveys or a, i mean i've seen new leaders do like a listening tour mm -hmm. but the but when it's done really well to your point people close that loop and say hey i heard you these were the themes here are the things i'm going to tackle right away here are the things we're going to like work towards Right. And I think that it, you're right. It goes a long way. People like feeling heard. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us on Pop on Leadership. We'll see you next time to discuss Ted Lasso season one, episode three. All right, everybody. Bye for now. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we want to keep the conversation going. Share your leadership stories with us, whether they're dreams come true or some nightmares you want to talk through. You can visit us at poponleadership.com or over at Instagram at poponleadership. And a very special thanks to our friends and family who have supported us from the beginning and to Pam Rodriguez, who helped make this crazy dream a reality. Thank you. See you next time.